back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm Bruce, it's episode 154, and I'm joined on the line once again by Sneaky Pete to chat all things Magic Gathering. How are you tonight, Pete? Hey, it's good to be back. We we had a little bit of a break. We had to get uh, some food poisoning uh, out of our system, so we're, we're, we're good at it. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know what Bruce and I ate, but we both were experiencing some stuff, so uh, well, we're good to be back. <laughs> considering we're like literally a thousand God. kilometers apart. Yeah, it's impossible, like we... pretty much, to... <laughs> to say but anyway not to get any details for the audience but we were we were under the weather last week so we we decided to uh, have a little bit of a, a break a little, little oh, structured dude, break audience, as they say audience <laughs> it was it was graphic there was like there was yawning and there was no, 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 there was no, 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 it was no. <laughs> bleep, it's a family have to, show it's a family bleep, show now right we're gonna have to just cut all that all right <laughs> well well so like anything else <laughs> cut it so like everything else we're um Every every show we we like to say thank you so much for being with us. Our content is on the Lotus Council website, uh, thelotuscouncil.com, and it's on various Discord servers. Uh, Bruce, how do you get a hold of us? Uh, well, of course, the best ways to reach us are all in the show notes. You can reach, go down, check down below for how to reach out to us. We'd love to have the audience participate with us. Send us an email. Uh, reach out to us on the Discord. Send a Twitter. Smoke signals. Uh, Obelisk. Threat. Uh, anything really carry your pigeons um <laughs> yes you know whatever you, whatever you got um just an old an old mast boat audience <laughs> i've got a secret for you don't tell pete i'm not cutting any of that okay anyway oh, come on okay <laughs> <laughs> all right so up first we got some garbage you're great so up first tonight pete we got this card here we got uh. gold forged thopterix so a white and a blue for a dinosaur thopter dinosaur yep. thopter Artifact creature. It's a 1 3 with flying and lifelink. Each legendary permanent you control has ward 2. What do we think about this card? So, it is the only Ooh. card of its kind. Uh, I tried to look that up real quick as, as you were giving us the rundown. It is the only dinosaur thopter in Magic as of now. So, hopefully, we see more of those in the future flying around. But, um, ward is a cheeky mechanic, right? Because most people, when they read that, they're like, it's like worse than hexproof, but because of the fact that you have to pay two, you have to consider that every single time you target it. And if you're playing um, a lots of cards that have legendary on it, like I played in my uh, now that shall not be named Rafine deck. It's all legendary cards, of course, like like the horrible uh, standard deck right now that's just been wrecking everyone. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think just giving it self-protection is good enough, right? It's a 1-3. It has evasion. If you put some boots on it or something, um, like like uh, Ember Cleave or something, it'll be cool to just beat somebody in the face with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I like it as a card, Bruce. It's a cool tiny leader, but it's also just a cool card. Well, it can't be a tiny leader because it's not a legend, but um, it is a very cool card. And I, I agree with you. I think it's well worth the inclusion in most lists. Uh, the reality being that more and more, with all the legends that are being printed, like I don't know how many there are in Legend, uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan, but there were a lot of legends in um, Wilds of Eldraine. And when you have that many legends being printed all the time, there's more and more incentive to put legendary creatures in your decks. And I don't know about you, but I find myself putting more and more legendary things in my in my decks, and now they have a little bit of protection. And it doesn't cost me much to, to slide this in my deck, protect 
some of my more important pieces and then you know, reap the benefits of having my things stay on the board a little longer. So I'm a big fan of Goldforce Top Tricks. Uh, at the price point of, you know, 12 cents or whatever it's listed here as being, like that seems like a really budget-friendly way to, to be able to protection. I mean, comparably, you have Shalai, right? So Shalai is another one that is plays a similar role in terms of trying to provide protection. And Shalai is... Well, you can get her for as little as a dollar, I suppose. But, you know, most copies are five bucks or more. So if you're going for a budget, if you're if you're a budgetary conscious player, the Ward 2 for your legendary things is a lot different than having everything having hexproof. I agree. But it's a, if you, the alternative is you can't spend the five bucks on the Shalai, but you can play the Thopdrix and give yourself a little bit of protection. I think it's worth your while. Yeah, and then and then just like permanents that are most common that we see that are legendary, legendary lands that are really really impactful, right? True. Legend legendary artifacts. Most people are playing things like Bolas of Citadel, you know, or um, legendary enchantments. So it's subtle, right? It's very subtle in the yeah. way that you have to deal with the card because it gives itself that. Um, so anything that grants itself protection always sort of seems to be a winner in my book. Um, mm -hmm. Again, doesn't fit every single deck. I've always been having trouble, like the last few months, figuring out what to do with it. Um, so then, when I was like, "I'll just build this deck, cheat a little bit with the, with the legendary stuff," um, it fits in there pretty, pretty nicely. So, yeah, I, I, again, I think I think it's it's worth its its weight. So it blocks well too. So that's nice. Yeah, it's, a, a one three flyer is is something to be respected. It absolutely is. So yeah. Decent, I think I think it's a decent little inclusion if you're playing blue white X. So something good to have. All right, what do we got next? We have um, a card from Throne of Eldraine called Tome of Legends. So fits right in with our Thopter as a joke. But um, so Tome of Legends says uh, pay two. It's a two mana rock sort of. Uh, it enters with a page counter on it. Whenever your commander ETBs or attacks, put a page counter on it. You can pay one, tap it, remove a page counter from it, and draw a card. Uh, Bruce, what do you think about this utility well, artifact? So I like this. I mean, I wish it were a mana rock, but that can be fixed easily enough. Mm -hmm. um, so the fact, okay, whenever your commander attacks or enters the battlefield. So lots of commanders, as we've discovered, have this propensity to die. Um, just, just how it goes. And when things die re regularly, you want to play them again because your commander is cool. Uh, probably, probably linchpinning your deck. You're going to get the ability to put some extra counters on. If you can proliferate extra counters onto it, you're laughing. If you can uh, find a way to just, there's lots of ways to get this to work. Um, and then you just have a simple little way to draw some cards. Even better if you can get it to tap and untap. I think you're going to accrue some good value out of this. Um, to help keep your your hand stocked, it's not gonna. It's it's a sort of innocuous piece that's gonna sit on the battlefield, accrue a little yep. bit of value, and then when you need it, you're gonna be able to draw two, three, four cards. And you know, I think it's gonna be you know really quite beneficial to your game plan. And it gets even better if you play partner partners or if you play um, other other stuff. Partner with things that are gonna let, lead you to um, to getting like just getting more value out of this sort of card i think this is actually pretty decent little inclusion um like i said 
I wish it were a mana rock, but that can be fixed. Um, things like, um, I don't know, Lord High Artificer Urza, that guy turns all your artifacts into mana rocks. Galazeth, the dragon, the, the yeah, that dragon, too. you know? Yeah, so you can do that too. And so I think there's a lot of applicability here. And again, the price tag's appealing. Uh, Toma Legends is like two bucks, two thirty right now. So pretty mm-hmm. affordable. You can pick them up. Instead of buying your morning coffee tomorrow morning at Starbucks, you go and pick up this for your deck. And next time you play, you're going to have a cool little draw engine for your deck. That's my thought. Yeah, at the rate, I mean, Maze Mind Tome, right? Uh, uh, the one that just got reprinted in Ixalan. Uh, treasure, I mean? treasure Map? Yeah, no. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, like these. Sun- Sunset Pyramid's another one that's from Amonkhet. Mm-hmm. Does yep. something similar. So it's like the rate of two mana, right? You're spending two mana, but it has a late game applicability. Um, and most people are not going to use an abrade on this card or some sort of artifact kill spell, right? Like, it's it's not even worth... Even if you only get to activate it once in a game, that's good enough um, because it's only one mana to activate it. So yeah. in terms of its rate, it's it's just not like... I'm not going to put it in every single deck that I play, but I'll definitely put it on decks where, like, my commanders kill on site. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think this would also be really cool if you get something like a Voltaic Servant or something that like untaps artifacts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, unwinding, unwinding clock. clock. <laughs> like you can you can you can do some really yeah. good things. Seedborn muse. Unta- yeah. Uh, Seedborn muse untap artifacts. All permanents. Oh, there we go. So Every yeah, turn so you could potentially. Yeah. Do and something because with. and because this is contingent on you getting your commander into play and attacking. If you or are flickering your atta- commander. I guess we're flickering. True enough. Um, if you've got a way to do some of those things, then you're going to be able to put a bunch of counters on it and use that as a as a way to for get your your keep your hand full and progress your your board state. So I'm a big fan. I actually think this card is pretty pretty neat little card, um, and people are going to be people have forgotten about it. Um, I know initially when it came out, there was a lot of people who are big into playing it in historic brawl, sure. um, and never really migrated to paper particularly. But I think people probably should go back and revisit it. For sure. Uh, again, um, it was one of those times where we were getting right into Commander as more of the mainstay format in, in you know, Magic the Gathering sort of quota. So, you know, this was one of the first times we saw where they printed cards in a main set that had Commander applicability. So it was interesting. It was an interesting time back back then. Wow. Okay. And we're not even that old in, in the Magic world. No, but oh. I mean, that was 2019. That's wow. coming up on five years. It's coming up on five years Crazy, ago now, right? right? Crazy. Like 2024 Crazy. is like not that far away, and mm-hmm. like we're looking at like a five year window there where like this card has been forgotten about. Mm-hmm. There's been so many other things that, that have, have been, been printed. Yep. So let's talk about another uh, warping card, uh, a format warping card, as we subtlety. Uh, that's the one that you wanted to discuss. Yeah. So are we gonna I, go? Are we gonna go? Just yeah. Let's yeah. do subtlety. Like we're so okay, audience. I ha- I'm going to be I'm like full disclosure here. So I spent my weekend playing, um, we, we called it our annual cube weekend, where we went away and we played my brother's vintage cube. And in the vintage cube are all five of the Modern Horizons pitch elementals. So grief, fury, solitude, subtlety, and endurance. And over the total course of the weekend, we had a lot of discussions around whether we thought this card was these cards were any good in the cube. And we all unanimously came to the conclusion that yeah, they were all good, and they were all really powerful, and they should, and they they earned their spots in the cube unequivocally, which got me thinking: like, how do these talk to like tr- like 
translate into playing commander because you know when you're playing cube you're playing 1v1 it's a limited um it's a limited card uh or a, a limited of like, circumstance um in commander we have a much broader card pool you have four you have three other opponents does it make sense to play a card that is dedicated to you being able to pitch your pitch resources in order to play it for free to whatever advantage um now obviously like if you're playing competitive edh yeah they all have applicability because this, you can don't have to spend mana to use them which is hugely advantageous because in an average CDH game, you're playing in a very condensed time frame. Um, lots of decisions to make, not a lot of resources to invest in things. But does this still hold true for casual commander? And I want to use the example of subtlety because, like, everyone can understand like why grief and fury can be good. Subtle solitude, like, if you can play grief and flicker grief, and you can like ruin someone's day. Or solitude is a source to plowshare on a creature. Right. Fury burninates the table. But subtlety is one of these ones. Like, does subtlety warrant a spot? And because it interacts with a, a, a creature, like almost like a bounce spell, and makes them put it on top of their library or on the bottom if they would. Like, and my question is, like, really, does this card, should this card see, see play in, in Commander? Or is it, you know, better off? being left for competitive 60 card formats yeah so as a guy who's played both the white and the red elemental pretty consistently in games i can say that they're both fantastic um especially in my mono red deck where i don't have a lot of choices for creature removal like direct damage and then copying it and sacrificing it is great i mean so Red is good, white, great. Obviously, I'm flickering it. You'll see that later in my deck list in a few weeks when we discuss that. Subtlety is, and, and the Endurance card are tricky, I think, because of how niche they are, right? Like, the interactions are niche. So, like, yeah. Endurance, you're not going to really play that much because of the <laughs> fact that either your, your deck doesn't really... Like, it's not going to be impacted if you put all your cards from your graveyard on the bottom when you'd rather play a card that recurs specific permanents or cards from your graveyard to your hand in green. Or you're mm -hmm. not really going to play every single game against someone who plays graveyard decks. It's good to tuck some things, too. Um, and that's what people do with this, mostly, is they mess with the particular archetypes in modern. Um, so I think it's tricky, but I think they're doable, right? Like, reach a 3-4 reach is actually a very good blocker. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. For three, it's really good. Yeah, um, yeah no, for sure. The, 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 rate, the rate on endurance is sort of the appealing part there. Subtlety, no though, if we, go if we go to that, though, it's tricky because people have messes up in tournaments before where they play it thinking that they're going to interact with something when the spell's countered already. So it doesn't tuck anything when it enters because it never resolved. Um, I saw this on YouTube. This uh, guy was highlighting like the worst match ever played in competitive... 60 card but like i think if people because some, some people think it's like you, you counter a spell with it like you tuck the spell but you're tucking a things something that's already on the on the field right so it's almost like if the creature resolves is it even worth playing five mana to tuck it when they can recast it again the next turn yeah. um so that's the tricky part with this is like for the price tag and for what it does unless you're able to make them shuffle there or like you know shuffle their deck if it feels sort of 
almost bad to play it, um, unless the card is so broken and you're going to win that turn. I don't see it being that impactful in a, in a pod. Um, like, if I tuck your Planeswalker, like your Teferi, uh, Hero of Dominaria, for example, and then you just draw it again, unless I can interact, like, say I mill you a card, that would be great, right? You play Subtlety, you make each opponent mill a card or two, and it's gone. That's good. But um, yeah, I guess it's tricky, right, in the interaction yeah, so that it has. Yeah, the timing on Subtlety makes it more difficult to use than some of the other ones, where, like, Fury... And, uh, and solitude are removal spells. Grief t- attacks the hand. Endurance is the one that is, is, is has graveyard applications. And subtlety is weird because it is going to essentially we target some a creature or a planeswalker coming down on the stack. And so yeah, it really begs the question: Is it worth playing? And I and I, I sort of come, you know the the thing has to resolve first, right? So it can't attack the stack. It attacks what's after that once it mm-hmm. goes around the turret mm-hmm. table. No. Uh, yes. Well, let's put into its owner's library doesn't resolve. This isn't countered. So I'm reading in the rules around. Subtlety's triggered ability targets a spell on the stack. It can't target creatures or planeswalkers on the battlefield. So the spell, the creature would never resolve. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. So like it, it's it's on the stack, but people have used it in the reverse sense. Like they've targeted it with something's already on the field. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're using okay. it like a. Like I wasn't a, like, clarifying my point. They can't use it like they can't use it like an unsummon. It's not a yeah, summon. It's, it's, it's not a bounce spell. It's 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 Venser. It's using like mm-hmm. Venser Shaper Savant. Mm-hmm. That sort of that sort of ability. And so it's, yeah. it's it's it is far more niche. Um I think the card is, you know, combination of the difficulty around playing it, um, you know, the fact that you know lots of players in casual commander are like you know, it's it's great. It's going to protect you from a creature combo. So if somebody's going to come down and yeah, sure. like try and kiki jiki the table. Now you got a way to fight kiki jiki on the stack, but you could have done that with a counter spell. And mm-hmm. so I I don't know. Like if you, I'm kind of I'm on, I'm very much on the fence for this one. Yeah. So like I don't know. I don't. I definitely am. Like I'm. I think my my position here, Pete, is I'm going to try it. I'm going to. Sure. I have a copy of subtlety. I'm going to try yeah. it in the deck, and because I think. There's, right there's, against me. Based on, <laughs> based on the power level of the other four, the there is something to be said for this sort of ability. And the fact you can use it for free and then potentially reanimate it later in the game or buy it back and like regrowth it or something. Um, you could do something really interesting with subtlety, and I think it's worth the conversation. Um, I don't think there's any doubt there, audience, that the other four are all very applicable in command. They all have very useful abilities that come down um and the only issue we run into really is that they're very expensive. Um, we put, we try to be very budget conscious for you here on the show. Um, well, when copies of Fury and Grief and whatever the other are pushing 35 to 50 bucks, it's hard for us to look you in the face and say, well, audience, we're being a budget friendly podcast because we have $50 <laughs> cards on the card. No, that's very expensive. Um, so subtlety is the one that's of the cheapest of the five. It's at, 15 bucks for a non-foil pack version. You can get a fancier version for 25 to 30, um, which, you know, considering that some people play some expensive gizmos, like they play a Great Henge, people, some people play like a One Ring, they play some of these, like these, like if that's, you can, that's where your price point is for your deck, then 
maybe adding a subtlety isn't outrageous for your price for your price point. Um, but it sure adds up quick if you start playing too many of those pieces kicking around. So anyway, I think my 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 conclusion here, Pete. I'm going to try it. I'm going to find a deck or two where I want to try it and see what a subtlety looks like, uh, and if I have applicability when I play. Um, because I'm I, I I may find that it's no good, and it's really hard to sit here and theorycraft. I know it's in 7,500 decks on EDH rec. That's that doesn't lot. tell me. That's a lot. It doesn't, doesn't tell, tell me much, that. Though, really. Doesn't tell us much like how, if the card deserves to be there or if people are just playing it because they have a $25 card in their right. trade binder and they're like, wow, I should play this. And they slide it in a deck. So I guess gonna... just real quick, the applicability point uh, before we move on, um, it could fudge someone's commander, right? Because they have to choose now to put it on top or put it back in the zone. Um, and if there is a chance that you're able to mess with that, 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 library of theirs um then it would be really really good like the top of it yeah i'm just wondering like if they if they choose to put it back on top and then you make them shuffle their library would they have the the choice of replacement effect to put it they must have a they, they must have replacement because of the new either. rules right i think because of the new yeah. rules they like if, if your commander changes zones you can do that yeah. but i would look that up for sure because that's actually really good um, so there are a few cards out there to say target player shuffles their library. Um, yeah. So that's Soldier kind of, of Fortune. Soldier, Soldier of Fortune. Fortune. Yep. That is an Soldier. oldie but a goodie, and you can force somebody to shuffle their library, and Wizards hates it. But you can do it. <laughs> so I mean, we'd have to go looking into that one if that could actually a thing that could happen. Because if you can subtlety their commander and they put it on top of their library, and then you Soldier of Fortune them, does it, so, does it go? Real That'd quick, cool. here's a list of cards that you can do it, because there's a bunch. Um, there's Blessed Respite, which is target player shuffles their library, or their graveyard into their, uh, their library, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. Foggy, there's, a, okay. Foggy, there's a goblin that you pay one red and sacrifice it, target player shuffles into her library. Yeah. There's some green, uh, there's some green, like, sorceries and stuff. But anyway, learn from the past would be really funny because you just pay it for four. You could you could time maybe time twist like follow it up follow up with a time mm -hmm. twister or like time yeah. spiral or something like that. Like uh, the reason the only reason I'm thinking about this audience is like I spent my weekend playing with this was the card pool I played with. Like time twister was a thing I could draw and play in my deck, and so right. anyway. But yeah, anyway, cool, cool interesting. stuff. Also, yeah. also cube. If you have friends who like folks. Proxy the cube. Please. It don't have to be real cards. Proxy it. It's Try amazing. it with your friends. It is amazing. so much fun. So <laughs> we much are fun. big advocates of cube here on this podcast. We love cube. Bruce made me fell in love with it uh, recently. So it is so much. I fun. think I think we might have done ten drafts on the weekend. We made ten cube drafts, one after another. That's terrific. And uh, I have zero regrets about it. We draft we. We cube drafted all weekend. Like we arrived Friday night, and like, like within half an hour of everyone arriving and getting everything into our into the rooms, like, into our like our, the the bedrooms, like everyone's back at the table. Like let's do this, and we went <laughs> hard for the whole weekend. Nice. So anyway, cool stuff. Oh. All right, but are we moving on? Are we going to do one more? Card? Yeah, yeah. Let's save the the next pick for another day. Um, I, I like think that. because I like of our that. discussion. Our discussion today is more nuanced with like overall sort of complexity because our decks today are very complex compared to the last few that we've done. 
granted, uh, the decks we featured last week for the graveyard or two weeks ago, they can be very complicated depending on the interaction that occurs, but these ones are just complicated right off the bat, right? You got to know what the heck you're doing with these. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what do you got for today for us today, Bruce? We're talking so more today- of like a storm sort of dirtle sort of situation, right? Yeah, so this is like, so I have Alundo the Seer. So Alundo, if you haven't seen him before, is from um, Adventures of Forgotten Realms, Baldur's Gate. And he's, so two green-blue for a 3-5 human shaman. And here's the text on Alundo. Tap, draw a card, then exile a card from your hand and put a number of time counters on it equal to its mana value. It gains when the last time counter is removed from this card. If it's exiled, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you cast a creature spelled this way, it gains haste until end of turn. Then remove a time counter from each other card you own in exile. So it plays into like suspend, but not suspend because it doesn't actually have suspend written anywhere on it. So anything that you cast with, you you tap with a Lundo and exile, you put counters on it. And you only remove the counters when Alundo untaps, right? Like when it only taps and untaps. It's not like a suspend where each turn it progresses. And even whether Alundo's on the field or not, the, the suspend counters will come off. So the deck, I saw the deck on um, as a historic brawl list. And I said, that's kind of cool. I want to build this. And so I built it in paper um, for Commander. And um, and I've played it, you know, a handful of times, probably a half dozen times. And what I discovered very quickly with this list is that you really need to be paying attention with this one because it's tricky. You're going to miss stuff. Um, and there's a lot of really weird cards in your pool, like in your deck, that you're not normally going to see. Um, so, yeah, Alundo is super interesting. Um, to is sort of like a quasi suspend sort of style card, um, and does cast can cast a lot of really thing really powerful things for free, allowing you to to spend your mana on other things like holding up mana for protection and counter spells and other th- such things. So that is what I have. Um, Pete, what did you? What sort of deck did you do you know, dig up tonight? That's uh, going to make us uh, dirtle our faces off. So, I'm going to sigh a little bit, because it's not that exciting, but it's Anello the Painter. Uh, so, it's basically a spell-slinging deck. It's more Storm, though, because you copy a bunch of spells, you get to do a bunch of things. Um, but it's basically an extra turns deck with some two-card combos. Ew. Um... <laughs> and then you know there's like some really neat cards in there too like like instant sorcerers that i just like to play like i like fork i i, I have a copy of it i love it uh it's just a cool card so i don't know um i had, I had a i had a fork i sold it for 50 bucks <laughs> it's about 30 now so it did drop into a reasonable i mean if you could call that reasonable for for what it does but um I don't know. It, it's this deck I could probably build for like a hundred bucks, and it would still be good. It's more so the fact that I have like the you know expensive, some of the more expensive cards for instance and sorceries and extra turns, whatever. It's just uh, a deck like that the, you know came like out the of here. Yeah, it just came out of like okay. I looked into my binder over the years, and I was like, huh, 
I have a lot of these sort of builds, like card builds, so oh, I'll just man. put it together. But that's the deck. I don't play it very often. When I do, people are like, oh, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it is it is a pain in the ass to deal with, uh, for sure. But yeah. yeah, so looking at this audience, like, he runs, uh, you know, 13 creatures. Um, you know, you got some, some repeatable sack fodder and Tenacious Underdog and Tall Run so you can feed and hello. And then you're, listen to the sorceries, folks. You're playing an All Runs Epiphany. Okay, extra turn. Oh, you have the Chain of Smog in here. Do you have, what's the trigger on that? Do you have the... There's, so there's two. Um, it basically, there's... Professor Onyx, oh, which Professor wins you the Onyx, game, right. and, and yeah, Ral yeah. Storm Conduit does it too. So right. there's okay. two redundancy. But anyway, before we get into the meat and the bones of the deck, um, basically we want to disclaim that like any sort of complicated deck like this, you want to know how to pilot it. You want to pr- almost practice that. Like you should look at your deck f- like twenty to twenty-five times before you really like know how to play it yeah. right that's any yeah, deck yeah. really especially in commander where there's so many interactions that could be there um i've been definitely been i've been guilty of this where i played a deck and i don't actually know what the heck it does and i sit there for 10 minutes doing a line of play that i've never done before but it doesn't actually do anything in this particular list that's happened several times where it's like i'm gonna yeah. take three extra turns i don't know what's gonna happen but i'm gonna take three extra turns and see what the heck happens so that's not exactly the best way to go about it if you want to keep your friends um, playing playing Magic. Alundra's the same deal. I've, I've personally seen Bruce draw like 25 cards but not know what to do, like not not do what he can do with the deck to like win the game. So yeah. it, it's it's yeah. difficult. It can be hard. I mean, what do you have to say? I mean, I've only seen this deck maybe five times, so it's not like I've seen it every single time we played together. Yeah, so this is one I bring up pretty rarely because it what it does is it leads itself to being um pretty predictable um so let's get into like so one of the guiding questions is like what are the drawbacks of this deck right so the drawback to this deck um like the 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 idea being if you want to play as many ways to untap tap and untap holundo as you can but your deck is hinging on holundo if holundo isn't in play doing what holundo things your game strategy falls apart right so um which is really disappointing so i've played it before and my opponents, and Pete was one of them that day, had seen Alundo go before and like, oh my goodness, okay, so we need to kill that, obviously. That mm-hmm. thing needs to die as frequently as we can get there. And once that happens, the deck sort of falls apart because anything that's in exile doesn't lose the time counters unless Alundo is actively tapping and untapping. Um, it's, so in that way, it's much inferior to Suspend, where a Suspend card would at You're least guaranteed have to, to cast a spell. At the end of exactly. it, where you could yeah. have six time counters on a six mana card, he gets killed with a, you know, um, you know, with a with like a standard like this member or something, and then those cards are gone forever, right? Like you literally can't get them back because Alundo's a yeah. new object, so that sucks yeah. too, right? Um, I believe once you have Alundo back online, you can then go back to removing counters, but you need to have because because okay. the cards don't care which Alundo cast them. But they do care that it is a Alundo tapping and untapping. So the strength is personally, like, if you're able to keep them in there, you can chain a lot of spells quickly. Yes, right? Where, like, my deck, it's like very, it, it's like very quick if I can, you know, chain a bunch of spells. But there are times where, I mean, 
Anello sits there. I have nothing to sacrifice, so I can't copy any spells. Right? I have no token producer, so I can't do it. Um, yeah. Or I can't. I'm, there's no point in me copying a brainstorm twice because it doesn't do anything for me. I guess. Yeah. So it's like the way the deck runs. Yours is like more interesting, I guess, too. <laughs> well, it's it's a little in more sense. involved. Um, and and so like I have played it before with one play with one pot I was playing that that particular day. And I'm going to be honest. We live in Canada. The uh, ca- uh, cannabis is legal in this country, and so uh, we have the friends I was playing with that night had, let's say, indulged in a little bit of uh, a little bit of the uh, of the of the cannabis, and so both the other two guys commented that we're glad you're the one trying to pilot this deck and not us because we can't think clearly through this through all the lines of play that you're trying to go through. Um, so, yeah, now. The version I was playing was not quite the version I'm going to show with you tonight because the one I had before lacked a couple of win cons. Um, but you know, pretty much every de- card in the deck is dedicated to tapping or untapping Alundo. So, like things like Bounding Crisis, you know, two I got a couple of Kioras who are objectively pretty poor commanders or uh, planeswalkers, but both of them say untap a permanent. Yes, please. Um, you've got Breaching Hippocamp, Corridor Monitor, um, Galvanic Alchemist, you can tap on and tap things, Kelpie Guide, so uh, what else? Is- with the critical mass, right, would be, you need one of those untappers, and you need a Lundo no. out and not dead, right? You need to be yep. able to untap them, like, what, two or three times a turn, or what would you say? Um, so I've, I've managed to get him up to six times in a single turn. That's um, pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty, it's pretty good. I got able to get them to untap and untap six times, which means I then proceeded to vomit a whole bunch of spells yeah. into play. The trick with him, though, is you cannot because we can't necessarily sink all your your eggs in one basket. You can't. You don't want to go put exile something like a Hornet Queen and have to try and get to seven cycles of untapping him because you may not get there. So you end up having to like put secondary threats into exile. Um, so something like, um, like a, well, like what example? A Tetiova Steward of Tides. Three mana, does a thing, and when it comes into play, like three turn, like three times you could do that, all right? Because you're then going to have to spend real mana on getting some of your scarier things into play. But if you can cast enough spells, the idea being you overwhelm your opponents in turn and drown them in card advantage, you're going to be able to secure a win eventually um that's that is the logic and when i have played it i have been threatening to move towards a win without having a good combo to 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 nail it tight shut i just end up having to resort to just raw value and um massing of material to beat with which to beat you Mm -hmm. yeah and i guess my my deck is like a very traditional combo deck right where you're trying to draw a bunch of cards, discard, you either play Mizzix Mastery and play all the instants and sorceries and win the game that way, or uh, you know, there's, there's the Chain of Smog combo, and then there's an extra turn combo with God Eternal Kefnan and Scroll Rack. Um, if you put Tempora Mastery mm-hmm. on top, you just keep going. Um, not very exciting. And then there's the Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, draw your deck and mm-hmm. win by that. So, um... I need Anello out on the field normally and some way to make a token or something expendable I can sacrifice to copy some spells to 
draw cards. Like, um, the one card that I really like that's not expensive uh, for mana cost and uh, for price, it actually came in the pre-con of this deck, because originally this was, was a pre-con. Um, it's drawn from Dreams, which is a reprint. Uh, look at the top seven. So if I copy it, I look at the top 14. I get to put four cards into my hand, which is basically like a really good tutor. Or like uh, Seagate Restoration, copying that t twice is a really nice way to like draw into the win condition uh, quickly. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's more so like I need to be able to cantrip in some way. I don't. Uh, you notice in the deck, I have a lot of card uh, instants that say like draw two, discard two, because I don't care what's put in my graveyard, as long as I'm able to cast something that will get me further along. Um, I've noticed that I just need some trip, some sim simple, simple trip uh, tricks. Like uh, into the villain's lair is not a great card, but it's good enough for what I'm trying to do, and right. I can copy it or whatever or soren's ransom Absolutely. As well. so stuff Absolutely. like that but yeah um yeah yeah so just i guess the critical mass would be like a few cards that are valuable like maybe one cantrip a way to copy it and anello um mm -hmm. would be like an idea but it, again it's depending on what's in my hand and how much mana i have available it will depend on really how the deck will perform there are times where i have no cards in hand and it just doesn't feel great and there are times where I have like eight cards in hand, and I don't know what to do <laughs> because right. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not really the best storm player to be honest, Bruce. In regards to <laughs> fair enough to it, so <laughs> so can I jump in here and sort of say so when I yeah. what one of the things that a couple of things I've added to this deck since I last played it was the fact that um there's a number of cards in this deck um that make you pick up a, pick up lands to untap things so Quirion Ranger and then there's a Scrib. Uh, Scrib Ranger mm -hmm. um, are both ways that have you pick up lands. Um, and also, by virtue of drawing so many cards, you're going to end up with lots of lands in your hand. So I ended up going for um, an Oracle of Moldiah and an Azusa in the list to try and empty my hand of extra lands and put them back into play. Because if I am if I am having to cast lots of spells with the, with the like, and, and cast the bigger high-end spells... Um, and to with the actual mana, and then using Alundo to put other more interactive pieces on the board. You need mana on the battlefield, so those mm -hmm. cards are have been really have been really key. Um, but then, so you have a couple of alternate wind routes or alternate Plan Bs if you need them. So you have a Yisan the Wandering Bard, mm -hmm. uh, which or Wanderer the is 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 an option that operates in a similar space. Um, to to Alundo in that it taps and untaps and tutors up creatures out of your out of your deck, and then the other one is a Psychosis Crawler. That just by virtue of drawing so many cards, you're going to end up potentially dealing a lot of damage to your opponents. Um, those are ways that you can use it to use this particular commander to great effect to help you power out and try and get try and secure the win. The other route to victory that gets often overlooked <coughs> is Tachova, Steward of Tides. Um, it just makes flyers. I don't know if anybody noticed it makes flyers. And you can attack, you, you can make, if, if you can get enough times of with the Oracle and things playing extra lands, you can make a bunch of flyers, and that will be a way to, and to close out the game. Flying creatures can often do it. Um, so if you get 
And it doesn't take long. By the time you have three of them in the air, you're dealing nine damage to somebody, likely, because they probably are ill-equipped to deal with an armada. So, like, those are... That's the plan B to what I'm looking to do there, folks. Um, and things that are new additions that... Because before then, I was lacking in a way to secure a victory. Um, I was having to try and manufacture a win out of raw material where I could instead be looking to Psychosis crawl of the table out through drawing additional cards um, through Teferi's Ageless Insight or Thought Reflection or Staff of Domination or whatnot. So anyway, that that's some adjustments I've made to the deck to try and give it a better option uh, in the late game if my primary win con of just beating you to death isn't working. I I started adding more like shuffle lands, you know, like 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 fetch lands, and then mm -hmm. uh, ways to like shuffle my deck because I noticed that if I'm stuck and I keep like drawing lands instead of drawing spells, it's really bad for my game plan. Uh, so I started doing that, and then adding even like Sauron's ransom, getting the ring temp twice, putting it on a Nello is actually really good. Um, as a cheeky way of like getting card advantage because no one's gonna block a one four death touch normally. Uh, yeah. It really only does one damage, so it's not like you're going to die from that commander damage anytime soon. I haven't got the chance to pull it off where I get the ring four times. That would be really cool, too. Um, <laughs> but there's so many spells you can put in this deck and take out, so I'm still tinkering with this list, per se, because I don't play it enough to really understand all the nuances in it. I just was like, hey, I have all these extra turn cards sitting in my binder. I might as well do something with them. Um, but bring this out every so often when people are being jerks at the at the pod and just be like, ah, I can play magic too, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, can just I ask you, can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. About card selection. Sure. My mystical dispute. Mm -hmm. Why why so why mystical dispute? And instead of you know, I, I like memory lab as being a two-mana unconditional counter spell to buy you a turn versus uh, mystical where to go? Mystical dispute, which is a three mana conditional removal uh, counter spell. I usually pitch it to be honest. I normally don't even ah. cast it because um, I don't want to think about like what I what I want to get back later. Sometimes, like if I'm playing these cantrips, I think memory lapse is better though. I think you're right. I think I should relook at the counter spells that are in the deck. I do like that it only costs one if I'm playing against blue players. A lot of the pods I played against with this deck were blue, mm -hmm. so it was a little bit easier to to play gotcha with them. Um, and I don't want them to get access to the spell again, I guess. But yeah, yeah. even complicate might be better, which is the cycle pay one right. or yeah. or you know what I mean, or pay three or whatever. Um, yeah, that's a consideration that I still need to figure yeah. out. And like deliberate should probably be a consider, I imagine. Yeah, probably. Um, again, this yeah. is. It hasn't been updated in a while. It's it is the current in paper list too. There's definitely better spells out there that I need to put in there. Um, yeah, but just, overall, just, you I get said, the idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure, you get the idea. Yeah. And I, I, lo I love, I love, I love like sort of like the the simplicity. Like as much as it's not simple, like the simplicity of just going for like you got if you you get your your demonic tutor, you can go for the chain of smog win yeah. like stack really quickly. And, yeah. Liliana Dreadhorde General is a sleeper card in this deck because most people play that as like a token producer 
But if you play it as a casualty sacrifice producer, not only do you get to draw a card on the stack, but you also get to copy two spells, which is nice. Right, yeah. It's a cheeky, sure. a cheeky planeswalker most people probably won't consider in a storm list because they don't really like need it. Yeah. Um, and if you alter too, that's kind of like an alternate win condition, really. Um, making people yeah. sacrifice everything. Um, so it's a cheeky way to do it. Again, uh, Bloodgast has been surprisingly very good too. I love Bloodgast as a mm. card. But even yeah. that, I'm sure people also play Skullclamp in this sort of list too, potentially. Um, that would be a really interesting include for for uh, like an Instance Sorcery Matters deck because um, you could totally chain a bunch of cards that way, like draw a ton of cards by sacrificing your tokens. I need to add some cards for sure. Saruman, the white hand, is the one very one that I have. I have that precon unopened still, so mm-hmm. that needs to go in. Um, but yeah, I think what we're trying to say, audience, really is these decks are really flexible too um, in regards to what you can play, and understanding the nuances of your commander is really important for any strategy. Because um, yeah. we're very ego, we're very like commander centric with these lists. A lot of other archetypes are like the commander just adds to the sort of the the cake you're you're baking. Um, where this is like very focused on what they do, rather than what the other cards in our deck do. It's almost yeah. centered around that particular card. I don't need Anello on the field to win the game. I'm not sure if Bruce needs uh, Alundo every single time to win the game, but it might be more consistent in that sense. But just I'd a consideration. To, I'd have to win. I'd have to win a game first. But anyway. Oh, uh, uh, sheesh. Oh, <laughs> uh, feel bad. Um, although, although I mean, I, I I have won games before. It's happened. I can. I, I have the receipts. But um, yeah, no. So Alundo <laughs> would have to have a have a get a win in order for me to tell you if I could win without him or not. Um, my my inclination is probably not because the deck is so hinged around the mechanic. Um, my hope in the future is that this deck gets some additional love. Um, I actually really enjoyed the trips to Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, and I think there's more to mine there, and I would love to see the time counters come back uh, in a way that makes sense and not suspend. I know with Doctor Who, we got into suspend again. I don't really want suspend. I want these time counters that Alundo fools around with um, because I think that would be something that is going to yield some interesting space to design. I I think again, like I'm really glad they brought Explore back. I'm sure we're going to talk about Caverns eventually, at least with all the exciting cards coming out with that set. I think any sort of uh, mechanic that allows you to like kind of do some neat things that you normally can't do, um, like like Living End is really cool. Because it's like a delayed sort of time bomb, you know. You're just waiting. You're like, "Oh God, what's gonna happen?" Um, and like, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I really they didn't do enough with that set. Personally, I love that set. I thought it was great, um, but people hated well, it. So, well, yeah. I think I, I that's what that the two of the issues we run into here, audience, is that two of these these two commanders, Strixhaven was largely panned by the community. They didn't really dig it. Right. The reason people bought it primarily is because the Triomes were in it, and the rest of the cards kind of got put by the wayside. Um, if you think about it, you like, mean New Capenna? You meant New Capenna? Yeah, right? I do, sorry, New Capenna. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Capenna. I just figured. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so New Capenna kind of got panned because no one's really running around with uh, Lord Xander. Um, you know the 
There's just these cards are not really like, like Rafine is really the only one that's sort of jumped off the table as being a particularly right. impactful card. The other the other sort of headlining cards from the set, like Titan of Industry is a ramp target. Great. That's just a big old green fatty. They could have mm -hmm. put in any set. They really could have put it anywhere. Sure. For sure. It fits here, sort of, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but the ones that are flavorful to New Capenna kind of weren't as compelling as they probably should be. Right. And I would love for us to go back to New Capenna now that <clears throat> the the Phyrexian menace has been uh set aside and what has happened to the plane. Um, because I do think there's a lot to a lot to explore there yet still. Mm -hmm. And we could get some really cool pieces to go in and then hello deck or in um you know the the brokers or in the the riveteers like mm -hmm. riveteers like all these like I mean I built a Zyatora deck and you're like okay it plays cool Beamtown Bullies is another one that got a lot of hype and it's kind of just mean. It yeah, nobody liked it once they started to see it play because it was so so horrible to put, use leveler and just level people's libraries for nothing. Yeah, like it's it's it's, it's mean. It's a mean approach, and like mm -hmm. Zyatora didn't really take off, and so on and so forth. Whereas like Falco Spara as well. Yeah, as a Falco, consideration. Fal yeah, Falco is Falco's a cool card. Like I it's really a really like cool Falco. card. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a really neat way to draw, like a neat way to get extra value out of your tokens or counters. I mean, but anyway. That aside, New Capenna and AFR are two that these mechanics should be probably explored and flushed out a little bit more, and then that's going to give these te these decks a little more teeth. Because right now they're both kind of a little fragile. Um, where if you can derail what, what we're doing with our commander, like sure, don't get me wrong, Alrun's Epiphany is a good card. Pete's never going to tell you it's not, but if you can get two Alrun's Epiphanies because of Van Hello, Hello. That's a fun thing. Yeah. Even, again, one of the most crazy things that I've done is uh, copy, uh, like, Limdol's Vault, for example. Ooh, that's fun. I mean, I leveraged my life total, and it was very, like, risky. <laughs> but yeah. I copied it twice. Um, it wasn't the best decision, but it was something to try because of the well, way I'm that the card works, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's super, super, I think it's a super interesting way of doing it. So. Um, you know, a neat, 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 neat thing to try and do, and I think that's what these cards allow us to explore. Um, they do require brain power, folks. I'm not gonna lie, like, we cannot sit here and tell you that they don't. They take brain power, focus, practice, so you don't waste your opponent's turns and time. You know, I sort of say this, Pete, like, if I'm playing a pod of commander, I sort of figure if we're playing and there's no infinite combos, everybody, mm -hmm. should, the game, should, everyone's allotted 30 minutes of play time. And games should be done in two hours tops. Once it gets beyond two hours, this is a fiasco. It needs to, and someone needs to end this. But you know, if I get three, I've got if I get thirty minutes of play, me taking my turns, I'm very satisfied with my with my with my game time. Sure. If you're the guy taking forty five minutes, fifty minutes, six fifty five minutes, because you're trying to play and you're playing through a very complicated line. Well, you should have practiced your line before you got there so you could do it more more expediently. And that sounds really mean, I know, but that's right. you're you need to be respectful of your opponent's time because they they're they have the same sort of goal in mind. They want to get another game in. Mm. And while they're prepared to accept 
a four 30-minute turns for two hours. They're not prepared to accept four 45-minute turns for three hours. Like, it's just on a thing. So, I saw this anyway. on Play to Win um, recently. It was like a quick little thing on YouTube, and it was... They're talking about stacks decks, right? And CDH, which is c- kind of different, but it's similar to our approach of these sorts of styles. It's like, it's on us to... They were saying it's on the stacks player. It's on the... like the st- For us, in our case, the Storm player, um, to not take... 25 30 minutes when like they have time limits there but we don't yeah but it's it's on us to like realize what we're trying to do to potentially win um i've noticed that with some of my decks that's been happening recently where it's like i'm like oh like i'm thinking really hard and it's like 10 minutes worth of a turn i like i just want to ship this right now i don't want to do this right now but uh like old rusting with the etb triggers and stuff that's another similar sort of situation but yeah you know the complicated lines, the more complicated lines are, the more you should really know what you're doing um, and how your deck interacts uh, for the sake of your pod, basically. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right. Is there anything else you want to add in here, or we've pretty much covered the, the gist of it? I guess with these sorts of styles, uh, know what your colors do with them with each other. Like red and blue do something different than black and blue, usually. Uh, red and black, and like. The, the you know red copies things blue counters things black has removal um, but then there's other weird cards that do like like Sauron's ransom is like your opponent does a factor fiction for you um, right so like understanding how that happens when you copy it twice and you give two opponents the choice does it go in turn order or do you pick the opponent you it's in turn order you know what I mean some simple yeah. stuff like that Orlando I mean trying to think of a good example because I don't really play the deck or don't really know the deck well. Maybe it's uh, when to untap him versus when not to, you know, when to, when to target him versus not to target him. Uh, what cards to discard yeah. to him or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the, that definitely takes practice in trying to, like, get the most value out of your, out of what you do put in, in, in Exile because you can't necessarily control as easily what you put in Exile. Uh, sorry, what when, when things come out of exile, um, and so you need to be mindful of what you put into exile, how many more tapping cycles of Alendo that's going to represent, and how are you going to get there. So anyway, it's uh, it takes some brain power and some thought in order to make it work, um, and keeping track. You need to have lots of dice to help keep track of how many time counters on stuff. Right. <laughs> For mine, it's like. Make sure you know that if you're taking an extra turn or two, you should win the game uh, as quickly as possible. It, like you shouldn't take f- three or four extra turns with your expropriate and then do nothing. Like you draw a card oh, and you pass to yourself. No, uh, I've definitely been oh, guilty no. of that once, and I was like, I can't. I have to either take this deck apart or find a way to go faster. Um, yeah. Once I have those extra turn spells in hand. <laughs> So, yeah. again, it's all about your pod and what you are comfortable seeing. Um, so, yeah, I think we beat this up a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think we did. To... <laughs> so, <laughs> to all right, <laughs> let's wrap up the Dirtle Fest and bring it to a close. Um, folks, if you want to reach out to us and let us know about your Dirtle deck or um, something we missed about how Dirtle decks uh, and... Uh, playing decks that spin their wheels a lot um, go, or you want to show us your list, by all means, reach out to us on social media, 
Uh, the email, the Twitter, the Instagram, the threads are all there for you to check out and reach out to us because we'd love to have you guys contribute and share what share your experience with us. Um, I think that's it. Oh, don't forget, folks, if you would like to find the po- find the podcast, uh, Google Play is soon going to be discontinuing their podcast app. Um, so if you like to listen to us and you listen to us on Google Podcasts, then you need to go look for us on Spotify or Amazon Music or somewhere else, um, or just follow us on on the Discord with the uh, thelotuscouncil.com because it will be it's always there and available. So um, just be aware, check up on your local on whatever your favorite podcast app is, and make sure that we're still there. All right, Our everybody, next- thanks very much. Oh. Go ahead. Uh, real quick preview next next week. So we're going higher up in the complexity. So like storm slash dirtling is is good, but now we're going into like full on control, right? Where every decision is like, how do I mess with my opponents? How do I further my game plan without being interacted with? Um, stuff like that. So this is our like final sort of discussion of like the deck level levels of complexity. Uh, thank you so much again for your time, uh, Bruce. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how how we feel next week. Uh, hopefully, we survive another week, and we don't have to take two weeks off again. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think given the climate of the world right now, I think everybody stay safe, stay safe. Uh, Please keep healthy out there. Yeah. Um, it's I know there's people. It's the, as the cold weather approaches, the cold and flu season, and COVID, uh, COVID season kicks up. So everybody, um, you know, take care of yourself out there and uh, stay safe and healthy. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week, everybody. So have fun playing Magic uh, and wherever you get to, to do it next. So, yeah. Cheers, everybody. Take that extra turn and take care of yourself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>